Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we're here with Creating Confident Communication and we are absolutely honored to have our guest Ashley Stratton here. Ashley is a highly requested, award-winning, motivational speaker who gets results. With a background in performance, she powerfully shares her goal-setting, habit-stacking, and get-result tools to help women create a life they love. From her training and and one of the top 10 motivational speakers in the world, Ashley engages and entertains her audience as they learn life-changing skills. As a certified speaker through Connie Sokol's DTL Speakers Academy and through her global leadership training, Ashley knows how to motivate an audience to action. Ashley also guest hosted a podcast series with high-profile guests on the purpose-filled life and is an engaging Immensely for women and private networking events. She has recently interviewed over a hundred mompreneurs on how to pursue your goals without sacrificing what's most important and is working on a book to share her findings. Off the stage, Ashley is a wife to her best friend, Rob, and a mother of four children. And when she isn't mothering or speaking, you'll find her playing pickleball, baking something yummy, reading or spending time outdoors with her family. Ashley, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's amazing. I love that you make treats and play pickleball and do it all as a mom and speaker. (laughs) How do you do that? Let's just start there. All right. Well, I guess I try to do it all, right? I have, there's a lot of give and take. And right now I'm really working on building my speaking career. So pickleball has taken a backseat. (laughs) It's hard to do a lot of things well. And actually that was kind of sad for me because I had a lot of friends that we were growing at the same level in pickleball, but, um, and I've had to take a step back and they've continued on without me. And so I, but I've realized that my goals and my dreams of becoming you know, uh, just the greatest speaker that I can be and influencing as many people as I can. That's my number one goal. And it's really hard to do multiple things well. And so I've had to just really focus in on that. What's that one thing that I want to do? And I've even sometimes get distracted on like, oh, maybe I should create an online course or maybe I should do this. And I'm like, I have to bring myself back. I'm like, no, it is speaking. It is speaking for me. And so I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. I love that. And every time I work with you, that's like such a good quality you have. But I've seen it's just like not getting too sidetracked because I I see that you really take time for your kids and your and your husband from what. And and so I find that amazing that even though you love pickleball, you decided you would. That was just taking a little bit too much time. Is that what I heard you say? Yes, yes, it was. It was like. Um, I think it's really important that we just decide like what, what it is that we want to do and go after that. You know, um, I, I love to talk about goal setting and the goal setting process in some of my keynotes and, um, when women aren't focused on their goals and the vision that they're going after, it it can become really difficult to accomplish it. So having a vision, knowing where you want to go, um, is key to making your goals happen. So I'm trying to live true to my message, you know, I'm trying to stay true to my vision and my life that I have planned, you know, so I'm just um, trying to make that happen. Well, I would love for you to be thinking about some things you can share with us as moms and business owners, or even anyone who's listening to this, who wants to go after their goals. But I would love to ask you, how did you get started on the journey of teaching others about goal setting? And what brought you to a space to want to, you know, share your message and have this confident communication about goals? Will you share with us? 
Yeah. So it started for me when I was a teenager. So I, I grew up on the stage. I grew up performing from the time I was five years old. I was dancing every, like multiple weekends of my life were just spent dancing or singing, doing show choir from cheer to student government. I was always on a stage somewhere and I felt very at home on the stage. And I love that. And so when I was about a senior in high school, I tried out for a local pageant and I, I ended up winning that pageant. And it really was a defining moment for me because I was able to then share a powerful, positive message with what they girls have what's called their platform in the pageant world. And I feel like that's something we don't see in the pageant world a lot, but every girl has their own service project that they feel passionate about and making a difference in their community. A lot of girls will choose, you know, like mental health or drug abuse or um, serving homeless or serving children. There's just so many good things that go on with the platforms of the pageant world that we don't see. We, a lot of times we see that glittery stage part, you know, but we don't see what goes on behind the scenes. So behind the scenes, um, after the pageant, I was speaking to elementary schools and um, youth. I was speaking to a lot of youth on goal setting. My platform was all about um, striving for excellence and accomplishing your goals um, for youth. So I started taking that message around. I started getting positive feedback that like, wow, this is really good information and really helping people move forward in their goals. And I had some um, powerful experiences where people even wanted to be connected to my parents. Cause they're like, wow, who, like who raised this girl and brought this message about, you know? And so I, I just really loved that. I'm like, wow, do I have this inside of me? I didn't even know that it was there. I feel like it just kind of happened upon accident. Cause I'd always been used to performing and then it kind of translated into speaking like this new way of performing of, Oh, I can speak too. It's not just dancing or singing that I can do, but, um, I can speak. And the speaking really hit home for me because yes, I love to dance and sing, but, and share people and help people in that way. But the speaking really resonated with my soul when I, um, and that kind of settled on me, just that desire to help people move forward through a powerful message. And then, um, after high school, I went to college and there I was, I needed to sign up for a public speaking course and I was going to sign up for like just your regular professor, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class, you know, at 8 a.m. And I that fit my schedule the best. But my college had brought in a professional speaker from the outside world. And he was named one of the top 10 motivational speakers in the world. But his class was only once a week on Fridays from noon to three. And I'm like, I am not taking a noon to three class on a Friday afternoon as a single college student wanting to have a social life, you know, that was like, I didn't know who Dan Clark was. That was the speaker they brought in to teach this class. And I was, I happened to be going over my schedule with my dad, which I never do. I did everything on my own, but I happened to talk about this one piece. I'm like, I need a public speaking class to fulfill my credits. And I'm like, there's this Dan Clark guy coming in to teach a class. And, And my dad said to me, I can't remember if he actually knew who Dan Clark was, but he's like, when they bring in people from the real world, that's the class you take. He said, you have to take that class. And I'm like, fine. He convinced me to take it. So I signed up for this class. It was actually a smaller class. The classroom was probably half full. And every Friday we got to hear from a master speaker who I can't even imagine what his speaking fee is. Like, just know that there's two numbers before the comma (laughs) and his speaking checks. That's how good he is. And it was life-changing. 
like it cemented in my heart, the desire to be a professional speaker, like just glued it. I had those experiences performing growing up and then speaking with pageants. I also had a small speaking job that I got hired for in college where I'd go speak to um, youth homes. Um, oh, I, I contract with a, a guy who did um, self-defense for women and he brought me in on his team to go speak to youth homes. And mm-hmm. I just was again lit on fire and taking this class from Dan, I was just like, wow, I can really see how speaking can be a positive thing. And then um, I got married and had kids and my life came to a screeching halt on everything that I wanted to pursue because I had four kids very fast. And then the past um, about three years, I always knew, I always knew that I'd get back into speaking. And when my daughter, my youngest was about two years old, I'm like, it's time. Like I just was waiting for her to be just old enough to survive for a second. And I jumped back into it about the past three years. So that's wow. kind of where I got started and where I've been lately. Well, so first of all, what college were you at when, when they brought Dan Clark in? I was at Utah Valley University. Oh, that's amazing. So yeah. I have had the opportunity to hear him speak. And it's just incredible the way he can bring you from laughter to tears. And I mean, oh, just, I, I mean, what an honor. So yeah. how many did you say were in your class at that time? There were probably, I want to say 15 to 20 kids which wasn't a lot. Cause I, I mean, I had, I had classes with 150 kids, like in a stadium, you know? Um, and it was just like, people were coming into class though, with like huge, like rock stars or mountain dudes, like trying to just thinking we're going to have to try to stay awake through this class. And little did we know that our lives would be flipped upside down. You know, it was just, he was a masterful storyteller, taught us so many things. And I think one of the biggest things he taught me is he said, people will always ask when you take the stage, why should I listen to you? And you have to have that credibility piece as a speaker, whether through your own story or through um, stories you've gathered or your credibility, um, certifications, just different type things. So um, the past last about two years ago, I got a speaking certification to up my speaking certification. And I've been doing a research project to help the audiences I speak with just to up those credibility factors of answering that question of why should I listen to you? So as a speaker, you always want to bring value to your audience. And he taught us to always be doing and always be uh, making ourselves better. And I remember he talked about a speaker once that he heard that said, I hiked Mount Everest 20 years ago. And he was sharing his experiences from that. And Dan's like, I know that was 20 years ago, but what did you do last year? You know, what have you been doing lately to move yourself and make yourself better? So I'm always trying to up-level myself, make myself better as a speaker. That's just something I took from Dan. Oh, I just love that. You know, just recently I was, I was actually having some people that were reviewing my speaking, which were amazing. Um, they've come and spoke to us. We were both a part of the NSA. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they had said, which I've really found, I've been pondering on it is, looking at how many times we're talking about ourselves versus how much we're giving, how much, how much we're saying in our speeches, you and you and you, and I kept thinking yeah. how I want to be able to incorporate that. Did, do you have any thoughts to that or does Dan or um, and what you're bringing about with your survey, what is it that you share to give back to help with your audiences? Yeah. One thing that I think that's always powerful um, that you have to do as a speaker is tell a good story, right? You have to be able to do that well, tell it with dialogue, tell it with some humor. And then I've had a coach tell me once, nobody cares about you. (laughs) I know that sounds pretty harsh, 
but the audience always wants to know what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. And so even whatever story I tell, I always try to circle it back around and bring it back to the audience and whatever niche it is that I'm speaking to, I try to relate it back to that niche, ask them a question, have them do an exercise, um, have them write something down, have them say something to their neighbor, you know, like get the room involved, but always take it back to them and their situation is what I always try to do. Just to oh, make I it love that. So you just yeah. find a way in everything you're teaching to ask a question to come back around because that's the thing. And what we're learning and teaching here and creating confident communication is some of us are learning how to speak, just how to have better conversations with our teenage children. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Our spouses. We're trying to learn that. And as oftentimes what I'm hearing you say is we can even do the same thing with any kind of communication is always turn it around to listen. Um, yeah. Have, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm just learning how I can be better at communicating effectively, not only in my speaking, but with my parenting, with my spouse, with my in-laws, with my family and, and other people in my community. Yeah, I love that. I actually had a piece of advice that my sister-in-law gave to me recently on list, the listening part. I have amazing sister-in-laws. Um, most people feel like they have monster-in-laws. I have like angel in-laws. They're just awesome. We were out to lunch for Mother's Day. And so they they were so wonderful at creating, you're talking about communication. My sister-in-law brought a question to ask all of us um, to spur the conversation at lunch. And she asked us, what did we feel like we've done good as mothers? And so we all went around and talked about that. And it was such a beautiful conversation. But she shared one thing that she'd been trying to do recently. And she said it was, let your children call the shots. And by what she meant by that was when they're ready to talk, like you might be um, ready to talk to your kid or give them a lesson. Like the minute they get home from school, you want to like teach them something or do something, or you might have a family time carved out and planned where you're going to teach a good principle or you're going to, um, you know, have a good mom moment. Uh-huh. And, but she said a lot of times your teenagers will call the shot and be ready to talk at 11 o'clock at night. And so she said the other night, she said, I was trying to keep this in my head of letting my teenagers call the shots when they're ready to talk, you know? And so she said it literally was 11 o'clock at night and they had just gotten a hot tub and their teenager wanted to go sit in the hot tub. And she's like, I do not want to go sit in the hot tub. It's 11 o'clock. I want to go to bed. Uh-huh. I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's calling the shots. Like, so she said, I went and got in the hot tub with him. And she's like, for 45 minutes, he just told me about all about school and this girl he liked and all these things. But she's like, I, I remembered to let him call the shot. And she's like, had I just not and cut him off and sent him to bed. She's like, I would have missed out on that conversation. And so I remembered this for me because it happened to me just recently. It was like, past all my kids bedtime and my oldest had just gone home from football practice and he had just gone out of the shower and he was still wrapped up in his towel and he like wanted to sit there and chat with me and I'm trying to get three other kids to bed and I'm like I almost said go get into bed like stop talking we all just need to get to bed because we all had school the next morning but I stopped myself and I just turned to him and I remember at this moment he just leaned up against my bed and I he was calling the shop and I'm like this is it He's calling it and he just sat and jabbered to me for 10 to 15 minutes. And I just sat and asked him questions and talked to him all about his football practice and just listened. And then he went to bed and I'm like, and I was so glad that I had that connection moment with him because our lives are so busy right now. I'm in a very busy season of motherhood and I'm so glad I, I stopped myself. I'm like, he's calling the shots right now. And so I just let him. 
And I think that can happen even when our businesses, like if um, there's business people listening out there or managers or coaches, sometimes your employees, they might come to talk to you. It's not a convenient time, right? But sometimes, and I understand we have to protect our time and our boundaries, but occasionally it might be wise to let them call the shots and be like, you know what, this isn't the most convenient time, but they might be willing to talk to you in that moment, you know, for five to 10 minutes and maybe let them call the shots, see how it goes, you know? I love that. So we're going to talk about, yeah, calling the shots. And, you know, I do agree because I do have those kids ranging from 19 to four. And I mean, we're in a lot of the same world with littles trying to speak and bigger kids. But I will share um, what you said was so powerful. I had a daughter, um, a, a little 10 year old that had been having some nightmares and she hasn't wanted to come up and wake me. And I said, you know what? I'm always here for you. And it was kind of like she was trying to, like you said, call the shots. Yes. But I let her come and just snuggle by me and lay by me in the bed. And in the morning, she looked to me and she said, it just meant so much, mom. Because usually my bed's my bed, right? Yes. <laughs> Boundaries. Yes. Because I'm so tired. But what I realized is just by letting her have that time to feel safe and know that she can talk to me about anything and open up about her dreams and that I'm not going to push her back to bed to, you know, she just was so grateful. And so sometimes when we create those moments that aren't really the best for us, they might yeah. be perfect opportunities to be able to communicate and let other people be open. So I really love for that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I would love to hear when, when we talk about this, you know, in your journey, we like to talk about or just for you, has there been any struggles or difficult times as you've been trying to pursue your business and do your speaking? And what would you say to the one who, you know, maybe is feeling that struggle? I'd love to hear what your, well, first, the first question is what struggles have you had with, you know, in your own personal life with trying to pursue this or speaking? I would be curious if you've had any. Yeah, I would say two. And um, one has been more recent. Two, I, the first one's just kind of a general one, but um, I think there's the general struggle of being a mother and pursuing something that you love is very difficult. Um, in all, all the women that I've interviewed, I've asked all of them, I've said, do you feel like it's possible to pursue your goals and still put your most important priorities first, like your faith, if that's applicable, or your family, et cetera? And 100% of them have said yes. But a lot of them have followed it up with, but it's not easy. Like over and over again, it's just been, but it's not easy. And I think that that's why a lot of women don't pursue their goals um, and try to have a family at the same time, because it gets really hard and it can get really messy. And if you, if you don't have that deep down desire and why of what you're doing, it can be really hard, I think, to push through the hard parts of those. Because it's not always easy to leave your kids or arrange for a babysitter or ask for help, you know? Um, and those are some of the hard parts and like relinquishing control a little bit of um, your household and <laughs> maybe having a husband step in to help you or um, or staying up late if you don't have that support or waking up early to work on it. Those are all very hard things. Um, a lot of women have also said it's been hard to hire out help and relinquish control of certain things in their business. They're like, wow, I just want to be able to do everything. And it's hard to do it all. So I'd say that one in general has just been hard. But the women that I've interviewed and, and for me too, the ones that accomplish their goals are just the ones who stick through it and just persevere through the hard, truly are the ones that make it to the other side. It's hard and messy for everyone. There's like no exceptions to that, like zero. Nobody has the easy path. And so um, that's become very clear in my interviews. And I've just, the women who stick through the hard 
are the ones who come out on the other side, you know? Um, and then the second one for me is I had a health challenge. Sorry. I feel like my voice is giving out on me a little bit. You're great. I'm grabbing a sip of water. Thank you for sharing these things. Yeah. They mean a lot. Um, the second one for me was when I was pursuing my speaking certification, um, I had started speaking for about a year and then I got invited to come to a retreat and then join a leadership circle afterwards. And within the leadership circle, they had a speaking certification and um, I had talked it how passionately I was at the beginning of this podcast about speaking. So you can imagine how excited I was to be on that road again and be like, wow, I'm actually speaking. I'm getting the certification. I'm moving forward. Um, I'm upping my qualifications as a speaker. And then I was hit after I went on a trip with my family and I was hit with a really bad case of vertigo that just wiped me out completely. Like I was running into walls. Um, I was forgetting my groceries at the grocery store, forgetting my neighbor's names. I lived by for seven years. Um, just so many things. Some days I was so dizzy. I was bedridden. I couldn't get out of bed. And when I get on to do my speaking certification on zoom, um, it was all done through zoom, all my training, I would set, would send me into a fit of vertigo and I couldn't take care of my family. Like I was barely surviving. And so I had to tell my trainer that was training me. I had to say, I need to take a break and just take care of my health and figure out what's going on. And I went down the Google rabbit hole of trying to diagnose myself, you know, and um, I read so many stories about people that it never went away. And I had a, a friend who it was a water trip that had sent this whole thing on spiral for me. And I had a friend whose uncle was a sailor. And I, and I said, ask him how he gets rid of his vertigo after all of his water trips. And he asked him and he came back and he said, does it ever go away? Like he laughed, like it, like I was crazy that I thought that I could get rid of this vertigo. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I just felt so hopeless. Um, and so I started doing so many things. I got so much medical treatment and nothing really helped me. I did a full treatment at a brain clinic center, spent thousands of dollars there, had MRI, CT scans, lab work, name it. And, um, it was, I had a stranger on the internet recommend the book called rock steady and it's healing vertigo and tinnitus through neuroplasticity which is the idea of retraining your brain. And one of the first principles that healed me in that book was um, allowing the vertigo to be in your body, just mm -hmm. allowing it to be a part of you and not fighting it. Because for so long, I would um, lay my head to, to go to sleep at night and my head would be banging so bad I couldn't sleep at night. And I started experiencing insomnia during this whole period of vertigo. And it was terrible because then that created a terrible brain fog um, from the fatigue. Mm -hmm. And um, this idea of allowing the vertigo to be in my body, I was like, what? This is like a whole new idea to me because I had just been fighting it. Every night when I go to bed, I pray for it to go away. I would try to replace it with other thinking. I would read. I would physically exercise. I'd do everything to expel it, to like make it go away. Uh -huh. So to allow it to be in my body felt totally foreign to me. But I remember the, I'm like, okay, I'll try it, whatever. And so I like laid down that night and I just allowed it to be there. Like I didn't fight it at all. And that felt very scary because I was, I just remember laying there and I felt extra dizzy because I wasn't fighting it. It was right. just like all over my head. My whole body just felt like it was spinning. And then something crazy happened. I, I fell asleep within 10 minutes, like just out. 
after just allowing it to be there. Because once I allowed it to be there, the stress of it completely calmed down. And I've started, I delve into a little bit about how the brain works in this. And when we're fighting something, um, it makes it grow bigger because we're giving it lots of attention. We're telling our brains that the vertigo or whatever it is, the stress, the anxiety, the depression is important. And so we need to give it lots of attention, you know, if we're fighting it. And so it creates the neurological pathways in our brains to get stronger and stronger because our brains are like a wheat field. And when we walk down a path in a wheat field once, you can't see it a lot, but when you walk it over and over again, it creates a strong pathway. And so when I stopped and when I allowed the vertigo to be there, the stress of it went away and I, I wasn't walking that pathway of fighting it. So I wasn't making that pathway stronger and it allowed me to fall asleep. And so I, I realized like through that um, process, there was another piece of this allowed me to heal is just starting to focus on how I want to feel, which was confidence and peace is what the, um, what I learned also from this book. And I did several things to help me after that, in that healing journey to a place where now I still experience the vertigo and I still experience stress about my sleep sometimes, but I'm able to deal with it much quicker and much better. And the vertigo almost always goes away, even if it's there for like 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, it always goes away because I've just learned how to retrain my brain on how to deal with it. So um, I, and through that process too, it's actually led me to create a new keynote called the A cubed method. And it's how to deal with fear and anxiety to accomplish your goals. Because wow. I've, I've realized in the process of interviewing a lot of women too, um, I've asked them if they deal with stress <laughs> and anxiety pursuing their goals and all of them say yes. And then they laugh and say they don't deal with it well. <laughs> and my vertigo after um, working with a therapist and many doctors, we've figured out, and I know this for me too, that it was all caused by stress. Mm-hmm. The whole vertigo episode, my body was having a physical reaction to um too much on my plate, really, and to doing things that I wish wasn't ready for. And my body just like physically stopped me from pursuing because I think my body knew that I wasn't ready for everything that I was taking on. And it just stopped me in my tracks. So, so I, it's been a real big learning curve the past two years, but it's led me to a really beautiful place. And I feel like a lot of our hard things we can go through, um, can do that. I, Someone shared a statistic the other day about when they go, when they um, experience the death of a loved one, the percentage of people who can then turn around and create something beautiful that out of that is pretty small. Um, And so I think if we can try and look for the ways we can create beauty out of the hard things that we go through, it can bring so much more fulfillment and value to our lives and to the lives of others. Um, And so that's what I'm trying to do. Just create, you know, lemonade out of lemons. And if you could say that cliche. <laughs> well, that was, that's a beautiful story. First of all, what was the book one more time for those that missed um, it? It's called Rock Study, Heal, um, Healing Vertigo and Tinnitus Through Neuroplasticity. So tinnitus is like the ringing in your ears, you know, and I mean, there is so much more in the book than just what I, that little piece that I said, but um, it was, it was really amazing for people who are experiencing physical symptoms of any kind. Even they talk about migraines. Um, a lot of migraines we have are, are caused from stress. You know, she addresses those different things like that, that um, I think a lot of 
issues could be solved through reading that book if you feel like you have physical symptoms of stress. Right. Well, first of all, I I feel like I've known you at least over a year, and I would never have known that you were struggling with that. Um, It's interesting sometimes when we when our brains try to do that, you know, go into comparison, oh, it looks like they have it all together and they have it all together. There's nobody that isn't trying to work through some sort of trial or another. And so I thought that that was part of your learning process and that you were willing to share that with us. Um, Just because on the outside, I had no idea. And, and I want to say that what you were saying about the neuroplasticity in the brain, I mean, that's something that I've come upon with my own um, teaching and, and speaking. I also do coaching, but how the brain, how things can be rewired, how we can get those new results mm-hmm. and things can change in our body. And I love that you just said that you were able to feel it because that's one of the things that I like to teach is just being open to feel what's going on around us rather than just trying to numbing it out, whether it's food or whatever it is. I just, just being open to sit and feel, even if that feels uncomfortable to feel the pain or to feel that um, emotion that was coming up for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think it, it comes to, I really think it comes to a place of allow and acceptance. I feel are very closely related. Um, And I was just talking to a woman who heard me speak and she heard me talk about this allow piece and she came up to me and she said, my husband just passed away four months ago. And she's like, you would not believe it. But she's like, she's like, I miss him so much. She's like, of course I have my bad days but I'm doing so good. And she said, the reason I am is because I came to acceptance so quickly. And she said, when you talked about allowing and allowing the bad parts of us to be a part of our life, it allows you to heal so much quicker. And she said, I almost skipped through the stages of grief and just went straight to acceptance. And she said, I feel like I've had so many more happier days than the average widow because I've just come to this place of acceptance and she's not trying to fight it and she's not trying to like wish it away. She's just accepted it. And she's, she really, I could sense that about her, even just talking to her. She was even wearing a bracelet that said acceptance, you know? And so part of my keynote that I talked about too, is just allowing um, those hard parts of our life, those stressful things to be a part of us. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned earlier in the podcast Nobody is except, um, there's no exception to the rule of the hard parts of life. You know, nobody has a pass card on that, you know? So when we fight it, when they come up, like those stressful or hard things, it just makes, I feel like our mental state, um, worse and the way we behave around other people worse. But if we can just accept it, then we can turn around and choose, okay, I've accepted this. I've allowed this to be a part of my story. Now what? Now you can focus on how you want to feel like, okay, I'm moving forward. I want to feel confident. I want to feel peaceful. I want to feel abundant. Like that's where I can feel like you can start to make this shift is once you've just accepted it, you've allowed it to be a part of you. And I personally love the word allow. I love that verb because it puts you in the driver's seat. Like you're in control at that point. Once you're saying I've allowed this to be a part of me, it's like that thing that you're dealing with that stress or anxiety is not controlling you anymore because now you've allowed it to be there. So you're in control now. And so now you can control your emotions a little bit better. So I love, I personally love the word allow even more than acceptance because acceptance is almost surrendering. And sometimes I do feel like we have to do that, but 
I love the word allow. And I think I'm biased because that was a piece of my story, but I love the word allow if we could do that with our emotions. Well, I really love that because um, it is, like you said, giving us permission and giving us a choice. We're not forced to do anything, but we get to choose if we want to have something greater or more and allowing the good and the bad. And um, and I'm sure just like everyone else, I've had those experiences that come that have been really hard that I haven't felt like I could move forward. But when I look at what I've allowed to happen, there's so much growth. Um, mm-hmm. And and like you said, look what you have. You have a beautiful keynote. You have tools to share because of a difficult situation. And so many that are are looking and seeking answers about finding ways to be able to be more confident and be able to communicate. You know, I guess I would love to give them one more tool or what would you say to that one person that honestly, Ashley, either struggling, struggling with a health condition, like you said, or... Mm -hmm. Maybe it's mental health or they feel like they have something they want to share and they want to contribute, but they they don't know how. And so I always ask that question, what can we say to the one person? How could we help someone who's in need of moving forward with what we've shared today? Would this someone be someone who's struggling with a health condition and they have a goal of something they want to achieve and do? Well, I I feel like with what we're teaching is... I really feel like the people that are um, drawn to this, that they want to have more confidence. They want to be able to communicate. They want to be able to have better relationships and connection. Um, and so I feel like we could be speaking to a yeah, new choose to mm-hmm. the one that doesn't feel like they can do that, but wants to get out and start speaking or sharing or the one that's going through a hard trial, you know, yeah. and, and they don't know how to get on the other side but maybe what you shared about the brain and the neuroplasticity was huge. I just wondered mm-hmm. if you had any other thoughts. Yes. I think um, if you are going through something hard and you want to get to the other side, I think a huge, huge piece of it is looking at your circle of influence. I know that this has been preached too much and it's so almost cliche and over the top. But um, there was a study done by Dr. David McClelland. He's a social psychologist from Harvard. And he said that the people you habitually associate with determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life, like 95%. And you can even imagine just the people you're surrounded by on a daily basis in your home. Like if you have a good relationship with your spouse or even a bad one, how much or a boss that you associate with on a regular basis, um, if it's a good one or a bad one, how much does that affect your success? It's almost everything. So many women have told me that part of their key to success is having a supportive spouse. Why? Because that's the person they're habitually associating with on a regular basis, right? It is such a massive piece. And then what if you don't have that? What if you don't have a supportive spouse? I asked a woman that that did have a supportive spouse. And she said, then it comes down to self-love. It comes down to having enough self-love to sit down and have a hard conversation, a confident one, things that we're talking about right now, to sit down and have a conversation with your spouse to say, I love myself enough. And this is something that I want to do. And I would love for you to support me or whatever that conversation needs to be for you. It really comes down to, do I have enough self-love for myself to go and do this thing, you know? So if that support's not there for you, that's what I'd say. Cause I think that people probably are 50, 50 on both sides that are listening. And then the next thing I had always heard of the power of masterminds. And during my vertigo spell, 
I was a member of a mastermind. And when I started going back while I was still experiencing vertigo, the women in this mastermind were sharing their weekly wins, you know, of like, oh, I just got this done. I just wrote a new keynote. I just got this done on my website. And I was like, I'm here. Like, that's all I can contribute. But um, I started to want to be like my peers. And so I started slowly inching forward in my goals. They were pulling me along every week. They're helping me rise to a new level because they were rising and they took me with them, you know? So I would look at who you're surrounded by. Even if you're feeling like you're in the midst of a big mental struggle, being surrounded by the right people that are also rising, they will take you with them. And sometimes that does come down to um, having to pay to play. Sometimes higher level masterminds do cost money. But I also think there's a lot of wonderful groups on Facebook um, and Instagram or TikTok or wherever you hang out on social media, LinkedIn. There's so many groups that you can find that are free to join. I just interviewed a woman and there's a Silicon Slopes women's group that's free to go to in Utah. And she's like, you need to start coming to this. And I'm like, I do need to start coming to that. And so, and it's a once a month and you can just go like, you know, and so I, that's, a, there's so many wonderful groups out there. If you just start asking and you start saying it out loud, things you want to do and things you want to move forward with, I think you'll be surprised at how many people are like, oh, you should come here. You should do this. Like when I was telling Dan early on, like in my college years that I wanted to be a speaker, he's like, oh, you should come to the National Speakers Association. And I was like, what's that? He's like, I'll take you. And he took me and he wasn't even speaking. He just took me and I went with him to the National Speakers Association, had no idea what that was. And I joined for the first time when I was in college, you know? So there's so many, if you just start saying what you want to do, what that goal is, start surrounding yourself with the right people, trying to find them, even if it's online, even if you can only do it from home. What a wonderful world we live in that we can have that option to go and be surrounded by great people from the comfort of our homes. You know, there's so much goodness, so many things that we can do out there. If you're a writer, there's free critique critique groups. If you're a painter, there's painter groups. Like there's so many groups you can join to help you raise and rise to wherever you want to go. So it's just a matter of finding them and joining. Oh, I absolutely love, love, love what you said. I second it all. Um, And even someone had told me this, even if you're feeling like you don't have your friends or your people, what you consume yourself with, the music, the podcast, the learning, you can, and someone said, well, have your best friends be, you know, if you like Mel Robbins, or if you listen to this or this or this, like consume yourself with the people that you want to become or listen. And those can be our our influential friends around us too. So there's so many ways. And I absolutely love that. Ashley, you have given so many wonderful, um, just wonderful thoughts. Did you have anything else you want to leave us with in closing? I just, this has been so great. Yeah, I um, think I'll leave you with this. I share this on almost every podcast I go on, but I feel so passionate about it. So I had the opportunity to hear Stephen Covey speak when he was still living. And I, I you probably, you're not in your head. You've probably heard me say this before, but um He's the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I'm one of those people that just love to go talk to someone after I hear their speech. So I went and talked to him and I asked him, I said, if you could only give someone one piece of advice to accomplish their goals, what would it be? And he said, plan your weeks. And I was like, what? I thought he was going to tell me some magical spell or something, but it was simple. It was plan your weeks. 
So if you're not already planning your weeks, if you want to move forward in your goals, or if you want to have better confidence or communication, are you taking time to plan on how you're going to do that? Like throughout the week, you're going to set aside time to read a confidence book or maybe talk to someone or interview someone who you admire. Like, have you set aside the time and plan that into your week to make it happen? I really believe that our accomplishing our goals comes down to planning your weeks. I love that. So can you give us one bit of advice? How do you plan your week, Ashley? We would yeah. Love so I have a reminder that goes off on my phone every Sunday night from 9 to 10 p.m. And I spend that time planning my week. I just did it yesterday because today's Monday. And I was so glad I did because I almost I was so tired last night and I didn't want to do it. But I just did it. It was even past 10 p.m. last night by the time I, I had sick kids. So by the time I got everybody to bed, it was later than usual. And I was like, oh, I just got to plan my week. So I planned my week. And I'm so glad I did because I had a couple pockets of time that I didn't realize I had of where I'm like, oh, wow, I am going to be able to analyze this interview. Oh, wow, I am going to be able to work on my keynote at this time. And I just had those pockets of time that I wouldn't have planned out had I not planned my week in advance. And now I'm going to be showing up for that calendar and moving the needle, moving forward in my goals because I'd planned the time to do it. Oh, I love that. And you know what? I actually had never heard you say what you shared. I've heard you share a lot of great things, but I didn't know that. that he told okay, me that. good. So thank you. And you know what? Um, let's just try a little bit. You know, if we want to go out and create confident communication and we want to become better speakers, better mothers, have better relationships, what I'm hearing you say is just just uh, plan out your weeks and try to make time for the things that are the very most important for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. We have learned so much from you today and we appreciate your time. And if if they want to find um, you, can you tell us where we can find you? We'll put some of your information in the, snow, in the show notes also. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's at real Ashley Stratton, Ashley with two E's. And if you want to book me to speak or watch out for my book, you can check out my website, ashleystratton.com. And that's Ashley with two E's. You're amazing. Well, so grateful for your friendship and always your wisdom. And thank you again. And remember, if we as young kids and mothers can go out and try to build confident communication and get our goals.